Welcome back to the Sim Geeks podcast. We are your hosts, William Belk and David Shablock. Tonight, we're going to jump into talking about silicones and how we're using them for prosthetics, as well as a few other uses. Uh, David, what have you been up to? Uh, I have been dealing with some personal stuff. Don't let your parents get old. Uh, No, I love my mother, but we've had to uh, deal with some things on her and getting her situation changed. Other than that, um, learning SimView, and that's been interesting. Um, But, uh, you know, just keeping up with the day-to-day, what you got? Back home this week, which is a a rare occurrence for me, which is kind of nice. And so actually my wife has been out of town with the baby doing some things for her work as well. And so it's just been me and the older kid for the last few days. So uh, kind of a nice little break to get back to the house, hang out with family. How old is he again? The older one is about to turn six in May and the little one is about to be eight months here in a few days. Goes so quick. That's right. So insanely quick. So... Today, we're going to have a small, light topic. Nothing big, nothing heavy. Oh, wait. Nope. Just the opposite of that. We're going to be talking about silicone. Um, It is an insanely, like, it's a scary topic for some people because I know, like, I don't know about you, your first startings, but I remember looking at the websites on some of these uh, silicone manufacturers and just not knowing where to begin. There's so many different styles and types and this and that and where... Where do you start? Where do you even start with silicone? And really it's, you know, with what you need to do with it and then learning the nuances of the different ones. So like, what was, where'd you start with silicone? So actually I started a few years ago making skins for chest tubes and surgical airways. Uh, And so I actually, luckily I had a buddy who had attended one of the like ridiculously long sim programs out at Harvard. And so he came back from that, hung out with us, was working on a few things, and he actually gave me the first shopping list. So I'd, I'd been kind of looking around. I'd been poking around. Same thing you said, The and I'll pick on Reynolds right now, but they all have the same problem. The websites are a huge pain in the ass to navigate, and there's just it's, so much information that's there, technical information, but not necessarily the information I need to make an informed decision about what I'm going to use to make skin or to make a layer or to use a mutator to get that. And so... I luckily had a buddy say, Hey, here's, here's what we used at this Harvard program. I wrote everything down, go buy this stuff. And then you're on your own, figure it the hell out. You know, that was kind of the, yeah. the next step. And so that That's was, that was my initial introduction to it. I think the navigation is fine when you know what you're looking for. But if you just boot up one of the websites and you go silicone and they go, oh, okay, great. Here's 325 of them. That's the where it really is a challenge. So, you know, if you know what you're getting into, sure, it's great. And, uh, you know, we're going to hopefully start on, you know, where to start on that sort of thing. Not all so, silicones are created equal. And that's, oh, the, that's the biggest thing here, right? Even within a single family of platinum silicone, if we're talking about, again, I'll, mm-hmm. again making skins, right? Or we're going to mm-hmm. try and pour into a mold, make a bunch of tracheas, whatever it is we're working on. Those silicones, the shore hardness differences, some are being used for molding and casting. Others are really great for making flexible, floppy things, which is what we're looking for. There's just so much variation, even within one family of silicone or one brand, that you kind of have to have a little guidance to get that, that door open. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I was the same way where um, you know, we brought one type of silicone in, in the shop and started playing with it. And then as we start to expand out on other needs and other, other reasons, you start buying things. And I have, I, I, I have an addiction. This addiction is to trial packs, not to one company, but I swear, if you saw my office, it's kind of ridiculous. I have an insane amount of trial packages of silicones, foams, plastics, and everything. 
I firmly also believe I'm going to die of silicone overdose, but that's another topic. So why, why do we care? Why are we doing this episode? So basically, we've kind of broken it down already. It's a real pain in the ass to start from scratch, right? And so what we are going to try to do here is take all that information, smash it down into something that's easily digestible and say, all right, here's what you need to know to get started. Here's what the different types of silicone work for. Here's where a few different brand options are. Here's where you can pick them up. Again, we're, we'll try and do our best to spread that out, spread the wealth across all of the industry. But the reality is due to our geographical locations, we tend to have access to one brand over others, just being able to pick it up versus buying it online. Uh, but really what we're looking at is what are the uses? What are we going to do with them? And why is silicone really one of the best materials out there to use in simulation? And I know when we were talking about planning this episode and we've, we've talked about how it innervates into so many different topics we're doing, we said, you know, well, we want to talk about this. We want to talk about that, but we've got to really have an episode about silicone. And our real goal is right now we are trying to create the episode that we wish existed when we started in silicone. Give you the primer. We're going to go in deep in the weeds a little bit, but it's okay. Absolutely. And like I said, I had, I had a friend that just happened to know just enough information to get me moving. Otherwise, here we are three years later, I'd still be looking at the fucking website and not sure how to pull the trigger on it because it's an expensive <laughs> hobby, right? It's not oh, an easy to go out and buy a few different things. You want to buy a big kit and start messing with silicone, you're going to spend a few hundred bucks. And so not wasting that several hundred dollars just to find out you bought the wrong thing is, is a definite benefit. So uh, what kinds of things are we uh, using that are made out of silicone? Well, I mean, the most obvious one is I think all of us are using mannequins, right? And mannequin skin mm -hmm. tends to be made of silicone for a few reasons. A, nothing will ever stick to silicone for the most part, other than mm -hmm. silicone itself. There you go. <laughs> yeah, silicone <laughs> binds to silicone very well. Nothing else does. And so on top of knowing that up front, that's why the manufacturers are using it, but also the benefit of saying, hey, if I tear up a skin or I actually get a gash in it, with a little bit of know-how and a little bit of practice, I'm actually able to patch that with silicone as well and just get it to bind back together. Yeah. I, and I use this technique even with the, I make 13 by nine inch sheets of skin that we use for surgical airways. And I'll talk about that quite a bit today because that's been my biggest project is kind of mastering that. Mm -hmm. I will use the same technique if we, because all you're just making perfect incisions in them, if you lay the thing on the table, it looks like it's never been cut. But obviously, if you splay it out, it's going to open. I will go back and patch those shut and let them seal back in my skin tray just so we can keep using them over and over again. And then I just need a couple mils of each component, not a whole new sheet of skin. I love that video or the uh, picture you shared on, this, on our um, Instagram of uh, you making these skins in your hotel room. That was a riot. Oh, yeah, I feel really bad for whoever that housekeeping lady was because I'm sure she thought that was a meth lab. Did you leave the buckets in the room? Oh, everything was on the counter and when they <laughs> came in, I'm sure, because I just set the, stacked the buckets up in the corner. I left the, I used these leather-wrapped coffee trays. It's basically a 10-millimeter nice. deep by 13 by 9-inch pan wrapped in leather. So when I pour the silicones in there, it sets hard. When I peel it out, it has that perfect skin texture. The only thing it doesn't have, of course, is hair laid on it. And yep. so that was left out for whoever to see as well as the pigments and everything else. It's just a shitload of chemicals in a hotel room for somebody yeah. who has no idea what they're looking at. Exactly. So let's get into it here. Uh, all silicones are the same, right? No. So we've got a few different options here. Um, the two biggest ones that we're going to run into are 10 cure and platinum cure. 
They both have their own applications as far as what we're going to use them for. Personally, I use Platinum Cure for just about everything. It lasts longer, so it'll have a longer shelf life. Once you create the object, it's longer. it'll last longer there as well. So not only is it a more shelf stable, it's also a longer lasting silicone that comes from mixing the components together. Uh, 10 Cure is a little bit, so I think you have a little bit more experience than I do with this one. So I'll let you kind of speak to it. So tin care. So the thing I want you to know about it is you'll hear a lot of names and it's like in medicine where there's five different names for everything. So tin cure, like tin, tin is in a metal. It's tin cure. Uh, it's also c- called condensation cure. So, um, you know, I know what I know, so I'm no expert at this. So if uh, somebody's going to call me out on this, I'm fine with that. But it basically, you're, you're putting an um, accelerant or a, an activator into the main compound uh, of the silicone and that's going to activate it or cure the silicone and it takes a lot longer of a time so we're talking like 12 to 24 hour standard cure where the um, activating agent kind of evaporates out it, it's great it's cheap uh, and you can do a lot with tin cure but there's definitely some caveats so first one of the silicones that came out was tin cure so in like the movie industry and they were making everything, you know, not everything, but when they were doing silicone, it was only tin cure. And it's a little harder to deal with, and, um, but it, it's, it's, it's okay. And then came across uh, platinum cure. So it's an additive cure. It's a binary. There's an A, there's a B. You mix, you know, in certain components. A lot of the ones I use are one-to-one. And then once you, you know, put A and B together, your clock has started. Um, some of them are as quick as minutes. And you better move like in two minutes. Uh, my biggest silicone I use has got, uh, you know, about in about an hour and it's totally solid. It's a lot quicker. Um, it can be a little more finicky. Uh, it, it's affected by temperatures and it can be affected by things that will make it never cure ever, ever, ever. One of those being latex, um, sulfur, you know, if you're pouring this silicone, a platinum cure silicone, into a mold that you have used latex, it's either partially not going to cure or completely just never. You're going to have a soupy mess. You got to clean out of a mold now, and it's it's awful. So the biggest lesson is, one, the only thing that sticks to silicone is silicone, and number two, um, that you know the things that will inhibit or ruin your silicone are, um, you know, sulfurs, latexes, things like that. I've even had where, like if I'm doing a silicone buildup for a moulage event, um, if you don't clean the skin and they've had different body, um, like colognes, creams, that will have something in there that will make your silicone never, ever, ever cure. So it's a little more finicky, but once you know the rules, most times uh, it's fine but then you'll have that idiopathic response that mm, you did all the right things and it just said no. So, so just to kind of add to this, we talked about platinum cure and 10 cure and the difference between the two of them. The biggest difference from a medical simulation uh, approach to this is with our 10 cure silicones, I, get, I already mentioned this earlier, they don't last very long. And so if you're going to create a mold out of a 10 cure silicone, it, it's got to be something that you're only going to use a handful of times in the coming months and then it goes away. There are a couple brands out there where you pay a, a higher price point and they've got some that are guaranteed to last a few years. However, 10 cure mold is usually no, is, is good for less than 12 months before it starts to break down and it's no longer useful. Platinum cure will last pretty much indefinitely. And so when we're talking about 
making the projects that we're using these things for, if we're creating, we talked about, you and I talked about this offline last night, we're talking about yep. scar plates. So we're talking about making a mold that we're going to spray latex or uh, cap plastic into. If we do that, we're going to want to use a platinum cure silicone because we're going to want to be able to use it over and over and over again. If we're doing it for a specific project, so say the movie world or for one semester, you have one learning objective that you need to make a handful of one thing that can be done in 10 cure and then throw it away. It'll save you a bunch of money. If it's something you're going to use semester after semester, my world, we don't really have semesters. It's year over year for labs, yeah. right? Then Same. platinum cure is the way to go. Now you mentioned the, temperature range as far as being able to inhibit or or accelerate really the setting of platinum cure silicones and this is a big play in my world right so i i travel a ton so i travel i i may be in phoenix one week i may be in atlanta and next thing i know i'm in in denver or syracuse where it's cold as hell and so to be able to work with these at room temperature no big deal if they're in that hotel room freaking out the you know housekeeping staff that's fine because we're maintaining that about 73, 74 degrees is the magic number with platinum silicone. If I'm in my shop at the house and it's wintertime in Montana, this stuff could never set. If it's that cold outside, it just won't, it will never set up. It'll sit there forever. Usually it'll just take longer. It may take two to three hours or, or eight hours even compared to a normal 40 minutes for, you know, FX Pro to set up. However, if it's really cold, it may take super long or eventually say it's not going to happen at all. Mm. Now, heat is the opposite. If we're working in a hot shop in the summertime and I have a pot mm. time of eight minutes for, say, uh, I think at 10 fast, Dragon Skin 10 fast, I think is eight minute pot time and then it sets completely in 30 minutes, somewhere in that range. If I'm working with that eight minute pot time in a 100 degree shop or even an 85 degree shop, my eight minutes may get cut to four. So I've got to move very, very fast. When in doubt, work inside, work in the house. Uh, these silicone products, especially with platinum, they can be frozen solid, thawed out, and they still work, which is a, a major benefit over something like latex that the water freezes and it's ruined forever. And so that is a huge benefit to platinum silicones. But if we're using an eight pound bucket, so you buy a 16 pound kit of most of these, it comes in two eight pound buckets. If I bring that in from not even frozen, but I bring that in from 40 degrees in the shop, and I bring it in the house to warm it up, that's two or three days before it's going to hit room temperature. This is not something that's going to thaw out in the next couple of hours. It's going to take a long time because it's very dense. It's a heavy material. It's a heavy, thick liquid. Uh, and so being careful to pay attention to those temperature ranges, knowing if it's cold, it's going to take longer. Knowing if it's hot, you're not going to have any time at all to work with it. You're going to have to get it in the, in the mold as quickly as possible. Those are, are huge things you just have to be aware of. Otherwise, you're going to make a $200 mistake. And when we talk about, I just mentioned eight pound or 16 pound kits, it's two eight pound buckets, right? Part one or one part to one part of the A and B. That's, that's about a $200 set of material. If you screw that up, you're out 200 bucks. There's no way to recover from it. Um, so one thing I want to do is, is, you know, go back a second and talk about some of the terms. So we've been talking and you know, we throw these terms around and because so, we're used to using them. But um, the biggest thing is when you get your first silicone, you need to read the side of the buckets, whether it's the little pint kits, whether it's the little tiny ones, and, and read your MSDS sheets. Two terms we've used is pot time and cure time. Pot time means I have let some of A to some of B of the components, two component parts of the silicones touch. And all it takes is a little bit to start that to kick or start that to cure. Um, 
your pot time is how long you have that you can be mixing it in the pot before the material starts to change or uh, some of the terms we'll use is gel or start to partially cure. You know, it's basically when it goes from the original consistency to a different consistency of any kind, that is your pot time before you get to that point. The rest of the time is what it takes to get from your first change in consistency to fully cured silicone. Okay, so those are your pot times and your cure times. And then talking about temperatures, oh, buddy. Yeah, I got bit hard. So cold, it takes longer. It may not cure if it's super cold because you live in Colorado or Montana and all that stuff. But uh, being out in Ohio, the biggest thing is I'm a cheapskate. It's pretty well known. I'm frugal. So when you have that season change and it goes, you know, to spring or starts from spring to summer, I don't turn my air conditioner on right away. And it was, you know, 78 degrees in the house. And most all your pot times and your cure times are at 73 degrees. And for a couple of years, I read that and I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. I don't care. Um, and I, I didn't notice. And so I'm mixing up Dragon Skin FX Pro. It's a smooth on product. It's the silicone I use most. I mixed up a thousand cc's, which is about $75 worth of materials. That has, at the time, it had a 15-minute pot and a 45-minute cure. An hour. I'm good. No problem. And I mix it all up, and I had full cure in 15 minutes in a five-degree increase of temperature. Uh, it was 78 degrees in the house. The buckets were along the sun side of my house, so maybe they were a little bit hotter. And it was crazy because I you know, wasted all that money. So these are things that you need to make sure you're paying attention to. Uh, what about modifying silicone? So uh, yeah, this is uh, this is where things get complicated, right? We talk about silicone, and it's pretty simple: tin or platinum, A's and B's, mix it together, you get what you want. But what if I don't want what I get? Well, this is where the the modifications come in. And so the first thing, and this isn't really a modifier, but the first thing we have to determine is the shore hardness of the product we're working with. That's a complicated term, right there. Shore hardness. We're yeah, so when we talk about shore hardness, it's a little bit different. We're talking about, <laughs> and honestly, probably the easiest way to describe this is it's how flexible is the material I want to work with? How soft is it? And so when we are using a shore hardness, uh, and, and I won't even pretend to understand the math that goes into this, mm -mm. the lower the number of the shore hardest, hardest, the softer, the more flexible the material is, the higher the number, the harder it gets. And so when we're talking about making skin, because I use this a lot, this is a good reference. We all use skin in something or another that flexy flimsy, you know, skin that I want to stretch over something or I want to slice through with a scalpel or stitch back together, the lower the shore hardness, the more realistic that is. However, if I want to make a mold, as we talked about earlier, that I'm then going to spray cap plastic or latex or something else into to make prosthetics. And I want to use it over and over and over again. Anytime I want to mold something soft, I'm going to use a harder shore hardness for the mold itself. So that I put a soft plastic, in a liquid form into a harder mold and then let it cure. And the biggest th reason is that you want a harder silicone is if you're using a two-part mold, you want those mold keys to lock in and it, you don't want the material you're putting into the mold to distort your flexible mold pieces. So if you have little tendrils and you have all these pieces, um, if it's a soft silicone, you're going to, uh, you know, the material is just going to move it and you're not going to get a consistent result. And in the short notes, I'm going to try to link in my favorite graphic. So there's basically three scales. There is the D scale, 
there is the A scale and there's the double O scale. Uh, so for reference, my favorite silicone that I use for most everything is Dragon Skin FX Pro by SmoothOn, and it is a two on the A scale. Okay, when um, you want to make a very flexible uh, prosthetic that's going to move with an actor's face and it's really, really, really soft, you're actually going to make it a, a gel-filled appliance. It's so, so soft that you have to skin it with something else. Otherwise, it would just be goo. So uh, one of my favorite reference movies to talk about is uh, Gary Oldman played um, Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour. And that is just an amazing makeup. If you haven't seen the picture, uh, it's just amazing of, of you know, the, the cast of characters that did that. Um, did that. And, and all of those, except for the Prose Transfers, that's another show, uh, they were in the double O range. So if you get into, again, we're going to talk about other brands, but we talk predominantly about SmoothOn because Will and I, that's what we've experienced. Uh, we like Polytech. We love Brick in the Yard. We love, you know, order from all these places, but, you know, our primary ex experience is SmoothOn. So Ecoflex is the silicones that are in usually the double O range. The Dragon Skin is in the A range. I don't deal with a lot in the D range because that is hard. Uh, it's, it's very, very rigid. So what you're talking about, the D range is anywhere between like the wheels on a caster of a crash cart to like as hard as a um, um, construction hard hat. So it's really, really rigid stuff. Uh, a lot in the movie industry, they will use um, in the A scale, they use a lot of 10 shore hardness and they will soften it with some of the other stuff so um look at the graphics search out a silicone shore hardness graphic and, and kind of understand where those two th the three um ranges kind of intersect so like dragon skin fx pro is to a shore hardness the double o 50 ecoflex is about where those two connect so those are about the same softness of silicone you mentioned that Churchill makeup. If anybody's interested in seeing that a little bit closer, Makeup Artist Magazine did a huge spread on that a few years ago. I don't remember what year it was. Uh, but if you go to their website, I believe it is one that they actually offer as a free sample. And you can read Ooh. that whole article, that whole issue. Uh, it's yeah, just makeup, so. yeah, makeupmag.com. And it's that Churchill reference. So that's, that's a really good option there. So just amazing, amazing gods, gods and goddesses in makeup. All right, so we talk about the shore hardness and then we and then moving in really to how we're gonna modify it, right? So if I need a silicone, uh, and you mentioned something being kind of more gel appearance, but if I need it to be, and we'll just call it more sticky. And so my best example of this is if I'm doing chest tube prosthetics, like we're gonna put a cut through it and go through chest tube, we do multiple layers. And the first layer being skin, then we have a fat layer and then we make a muscle layer. That fat layer, we use a deadener basically to make it kind of a sticky, squishy fat material. And then of course I, I pigment it yellow. We'll talk about pigments in just a minute. Deadener so, is another name for that is a tactile mutator. And so I use, I use slacker from SmoothOn probably more than anything else just because it's easy to get my hands on. At least it was when I lived close to their shop. It is exactly what it sounds like. You add this material into your mix and then it makes it stickier, squishier, and it just changes the actual feel of the silicone. There are other options out there. There's other deadeners. Smith's makes one through Brick in the Yard that you can pick up there. Uh, but really, the, the Slacker is just the only one I have a whole lot of experience with. So that's the one I talk about the most. 
I like Betty uh, Brick of the Yards. Also, their Deadener LV. I've got some Smiths Deadener. I've got some Deadener LV, uh, and all of them are just a little different. And, and I've used them for all kinds of different things. So we we like to order from Brick in the Yard as well. So when you're adding this, the thing I want you to know is: so you have a percentage of A, you have a percentage of B, and this is a third component you're adding by percent of total volume. Usually, you know when I'm adding. I want to do 100% deadened is something you'll hear. So, okay, you know, I want to deaden this uh, 100%. We'll say that's 50 mLs of A, 50 mLs of B, and 100 mLs of deadener. So it's, it's something, and you, you, you know, play with it, and you, you see what uh, it does to it. You really do have to test it because um, whereas, say, something like Dragon Skin and most of the Ecoflexes are not sticky at all. They're actually very, you know, rigid. Um, flexible and soft, but they're they're not sticky by touch. Unlike, say, something like EcoFlex Gel is super sticky, but it will make it more tacky and sticky. There are ways to make some of that go away, but just know that that as you add these products, it is going to change not only the softness but the stickiness of the silicone. So I'm going to let you speak to um, thickeners real quick. And of course, hardeners kind of speak for themselves, but I'll let you speak to yeah. that and then we'll jump into how to speed up or slow down an actual cure. So thickeners, uh, there's a lot of different reasons you use that. Uh, one of the biggest thickeners that I see is the Thixotropics. Thyvex is one um, by Smooth-On and Plat Thicks, uh, Brick in the Yard cells. They sell Tin Thicks and Plat Thicks. And each of them, again, it's like using the different deadeners. They give you a different nuance, and you really got to see what works for what. Um, like, I know that uh, the, the Thyvex comes with the uh, wound kit from Smooth-On, and they, they say that you can add it into skin tight. I, I've never been successful, and I've never appreciated any serious difference in the silicone from that. So that is a chemical thickener or a thixotropic. Another thickener that a lot of people use is Cabasil. Now, my first disclaimer on Cabasil is it is a fumed silica, which in its powdered state will screw you up. Now, I'm saying over time, but you have to make sure you're using a proper respirator and you're using safety and you're doing it out in the garage and don't do it with your kids around. But basically, if you breathe this in, it will collect your lungs and it can hurt you. But as long as you're safe with it, I've used it for a mechanical thickener for silicone. So like if I have, like I did a swollen knee once, and so I did my sheet of silicone. I did a really super soft, sticky layer for that, that swelling and that edimentous, you know, you know, swollen knee. And then what I wanted to do is kind of cake batter over a thickened layer of Dragon Skin Effects Pro. So I added a little bit of Thyvex and I added a whole bunch of Cabasil and it allowed me to have really thick peanut butter-like consistency that I was able to kind of frost the cake. Uh, they do have uh, retarders that will slow the cure. And they have accelerators that will speed the cure. I'm super used to Dragon Skin Effects Pro. I know within 45 minutes to an hour, I'm going to have full cure. But if I use something like a Dragon Skin 10 that has a 10 shore hardness, it takes about four hours. I don't know. I got to consult the Reynolds book to know it. By the way, um, one thing that is awesome is there are charts most of these companies will give you. Reynolds has it in their catalogs. Um, I know Polytech has it in their catalog. They're also downloadable free, and it gives you a nice chart of 
times for cure, shore hardness, tensile strength, all this stuff. And that's also a super important. Uh, when I was teaching the course for the VA, you know, the students were awesome. They were great. I had so much fun. But, you know, I would say, okay, well, what is the cure time? And they'd say, page 34. And they'd yell it right out of where you could find it in the book. So these catalogs are super important reference. Um, that's probably the first thing I would do is get one of the, you know, get the Reynolds catalog, get the Polytech catalog. You could usually download them. And they're, they're just such a wealth of information. But uh, yeah, so you can slow down the cure or you can speed it up with these retarders or the accelerator. So if I'm working with, um, you know, the dragon skin tendon, it takes longer and I'm impatient and need it to go, you can actually add accelerators. Uh, also, like we discussed, you can heat it up. So talk about coloring silicone because... I'll get to it in just a second. But since we oh. talked about thickeners, I do want to talk about thinning silicones as well. And so... Uh, Yep, I know this is this is a whole nother subject, but we talk about thinning, it, it, whether you want to throw it through an airbrush or you want it to pour into a mold a little bit easier. Uh, thinning is an why, option. Why would, I, why would I put silicone through an airbrush? That uh, just seems like danger. We can use it to use silicone-based paints to paint an object itself. So we Because can the only thing that sticks to silicone is? Is silicone. Uh, the thinning for the airbrush though, the, the options that, that exist out there, there's really two choices. There's nat, well, and I'm gonna say two choices, two categories. Naphtha, toluene, xylene uh, are all going to be chemical components, but they all can contain volatile mm. organic compounds. Naphtha is actually super hard to find. Naphtha is basically lighter fluid. I use naphtha, but that's one of those that you definitely have to use a ton of safety. Uh, you want a respirator. This is, this is a real serious thing for me because I had just a face respirator and I had um, what I thought were good filters and I put a picture on one of my Instagrams. And Dan Gilbert is an amazing just human being, but he saw the, the face mask and he immediately messaged me and he's like, throw that away and those filters suck. And I'm like, but, but, but why? And he says, because you need the one that will actually cover your face. And I have since bought one. So he, he cited that he has a lot of friends that do a lot of lab and he said, it is sad that I can see people getting hurt with these chemicals. He says, so you've got to be safe. It's um, out there and it's cheap. But if you're going to use it, and you did mention this, you're going to have to invest in an actual respirator. And so that brings up deal. my next point. And, and actually, yeah, you're looking at 150 at least, maybe 100 but about 150 200 bucks for a solid like 3M respirator. So there is another option and there is a safer option, but it is brutally expensive as well. And so... The naphtha, when you do find it, like you said, it's getting harder to find. But when you do, it's you tend to buy it by the pint or you can get a two-pint kit for somewhere in the $20 range. Smooth-on makes a Novox solution. That's exactly what it sounds like. So no VOCs, no volatile organic compounds, which means you can use it safely. Now, I would still wear face protection, but you don't have to Better. have the respirator on because it's I not going to get in your you. lungs. Because I'm telling you, yes, Novox is expensive, but so is being able to breathe safely, being able to be healthy and no matter which of these categories you want to jump into, if you want to spend the money for the Novox or you want to invest in the respirator, I really don't care. Again, that's the, I can tell you what's the better option. Both. But the other big thing is this is not to be done indoors. Make sure that you're mm. doing this in the shop. Make sure mm. you have good ventilation. Uh, anytime, anytime I'm working with something that I shouldn't be inhaling, garage doors wide open. This is not something I'm going to do in the house where my kids or my wife have to sleep. Uh, and so just make sure that we're, we're paying attention to that as well. Make sure we're letting everything fans. out. Invest in fans. Let's talk colors. So <laughs> coloring, when we talk about pigments, uh, really what we're doing usually is we buy silicone pigments. And what this is, is a 
series of colors. You can buy them as simple as primary colors and mix them your own. You can buy a, a rack of 30 different colors that get you exactly what you want. There's a few different places to do it. Just figure it out however you want. So one of my favorite products out there right now is, and again, we're back to smooth on, but Slick Pig makes a sampler and it's one ounce sample of every color they make. Silk like, pig. Silk silicone pig. I do the same thing and I've been busted by it too, but it's silicone pigment. Yes. Oh, look at that. Um, All right. Anyway, they make this sample system. It's every color they make. It's about 30 bucks. You get an ounce of each. And I will tell you that unless you are using a shitload of silicone, you're not going to burn through those samples because you cannot exceed 3% pigment to your total volume. And so let's just talk about that. Meaning if I have a hundred mils of, of actual silicone, I cannot exceed three milliliters of pigment or the silicone will never set. We get into that retarding situation we talked about earlier. The other option, and this is something Dave actually taught me about, if we don't want to invest in actual oil-based pigments, like we're talking about how Brick in the Yard makes them. Now, that what I normally do, my approach to it is I, I buy the sample kit and I have these at pretty much all of our training centers, I feel like now. Everyone, I've got everyone kind of on board to purchase these. And then when I, the colors I run out of are the ones I will go buy the four ounce or eight ounce jug of. And so for me, that tends to be flesh, that tends to be blood. And really those are the two main ones I use a lot of. The rest of the colors, yeah, I use them, but I don't really run out. And those, that whole kit, that one ounce of every color they make is cheaper or about the same price as one four ounce tub of a single color. And so it's a big investment if you try to go out and buy a shitload of it at one time versus just buying a sampler. And to your point too is the biggest thing I can tell you about, about pigment, pigmenting silicone is use 1% of what you think you need. So grab some on a toothpick or whatever and whatever you pull out of the bucket, put 99% back. Because one, you cannot pull pigment out. You can only add. And you need a lot less than you think. Trust me. Um, it's also like when you're balancing colors, uh, one thing I teach in moulage is that everybody should own a color wheel. Um, I was not awesome at art, but, uh, you should buy an $8 color wheel. It's off Amazon. They're cheap. And I call this, uh, insurance for, oh crap, how do I undo that? Because you need to know what color to add to get yourself out of a mess. And the Smooth On's um, flesh pigment is a perfect example. To my eye, again, I think it's a little orange. So the com complementing color, the competing color is blue. And I'm telling you, I use a 22 or 28 gauge or 22 gauge needle. And I get the very tiniest amount of blue when I was mixing pigments. Um, and that's all you need to add because if you add one micron, you have a nice balanced color. If you add two microns of blue, you have alien gray. If you add three microns of blue, you have Smurf. I've done the exact same thing. I have created <laughs> purple skins because I was trying to get the just the right hue, right? You get the flesh, you throw a little bit of blood color in there to make it a little more human-like. Mm -hmm. And then that blue just takes the edge off. Yeah. And I've done that where I'm like, oh, let's throw some blue in this. And I Darn. barely touch it at all. And boom, the whole thing is purple. And there's no recovering from that. Yeah. Like It's, it's like you wave the blue by the silicone. Just wave the pigment by it and it goes smurf. Yep, exactly. So uh, I want you to touch on this. So you and I talked about this, got a year or two ago, mm -hmm. that if you're not in the market to buy pigments or you need something in a hurry and you don't live in yeah. a town that sells it, we can use oil-based paint. So why don't you give us some examples of where you're finding these and what we should be using? 
where this came from really is when I was first researching how to paint silicone. You can go to Lowe's, get type one. It has to be type one caulk. And you can pigment that and you can thin it down and shoot it through an airbrush and paint with it. And the biggest thing that everybody was using back in, especially in the 10 days or still to this day, they'll use oil-based pigments. So like we're talking about artist oil paints. It has to be an oil-based pigment. So you can't use food coloring. You can't use acrylics. You can't use anything else, but you can use oil-based paints, artistic paints. The biggest thing is don't cheap out. A medium price to better quality oil-based paint because mainly it's the additives. The super cheap oil paints, they will put other additives that will inhibit your cure. And there's nothing like trying something out and it totally hoses your silicone. So yes, I bought oil paints. I've got a whole kit of oil paints. And what's cool about oil paints is they're pretty cheap. And that way you can mix colors. You can play with it before you add it to the silicones. The other thing I will talk about pigmenting silicone is get a regimen and do this every time. And by this, I mean, different manufacturers will say to pigment A or B, I am in the B camp. I pigment only my B. So I don't mix A and B and then pigment because think about it. You add the A, you add the B, and now your timer is going. But if you just pigment B, you've got all the time in the world. And if you hose it, you throw it away and you start over. So get your regimen down. From this day forward, I only tint B or A, whatever you want to do. I do the same thing. So I, I master, I get all the colors in dialed in how I want it in one component or the other, and then mix the two together. And I've done it the other way too, but especially when you're working with something like 10 fast or 10 very fast, that extra uh, uh, minute uh, 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 it takes me to mix the color in and get it right is going to completely mm. screw me because now I've only got three minutes left to get it into the pot. And so what I want to do there is I just want to get one color in. And like you said, it's going to distort a little bit. And so I have to kind of plan for that but always pigment one, get the color I want, then mix the two together and pour it in the mold. And that way there's only one step, mix and pour. I guess that's two steps. Two steps, mix and pour, <laughs> rather than pigment, stir it, don't like it, fix it, stir it, still don't like it, add this, stir it, don't like it. Okay, now it's right. Now pour it in and I'm already five minutes into my seven minute time that I have. And just don't be afraid to be able to just, once it's hosed, throw it away. Don't try and try and try and try and try and try to save it because you're going to put way more pigment, way more effort, way more silicone in it than when if you just realize you've crossed the line, you can't go back, just throw it away. It's okay. It's okay. And adding more pigment goes back to that issue I was talking about earlier. It's going to get to a point where it just won't cure. It'll, it'll sit yeah. there liquid in your mold forever and it won't cure and then it's a real bitch to clean out. And your colors look so dense that they don't look real anymore. They look cartoon character-y. So we can't talk about coloring and pigments without mentioning flocking, right? And so the problem, oh, with, yes. the problem with silicones what, what in the flock? general. So the problem with silicones in general is that without flocking, they have no depth with pigment. They, they're translucent materials, and then you color them, and it's like taking a crayon to white paper. It's just the color is there, but it really has no depth. That doesn't work because skin-wise, we all have depth to our skin color, right? It's not that we're all one solid color all over. And so okay. by adding the flocking, we get that back. Uh, flocking is super cheap. 
we're using the term, what is, what the flock? They're polyester fibers that are very, very, very small and refined. And it's very cheap and it will allow you to add variation in tone rather than Sherwin-Williams one tone color you've spray painted on something. So they're very cheap, but you can't use them by themselves. You still have to balance the two out. You have to have the pigment to get some of the color. You have to have the flocking to get the depth that you want. And to try and find this balance between the two of them is, well, to be honest, it can be a bitch. And so oh, trying, totally. trying to find that, make sure you're doing some research. As you're going through and trying it, know what volumes you're using, know how mm. much you're adding so that at the end of the day, you've got it all written down and you're not Take relearning notes. it the next time. Take yep. notes, keep a hold Take of notes. it. By doing this, you're adding realism, you're getting that depth that you need, your appliances will look better, your task trainers will actually look human. We've mm. all seen a simulator, even from companies that we spent ten, twelve thousand dollars on, that just or doesn't more. look real because the colors yeah. suck, the skin doesn't look real. This is that fix. We instead of just having a solid pigment on a smooth skin, a I want to use a leather, I want to use some kind of leather wrapped material so I get a nice leather texture or skin texture rather than a flat, shiny plastic, but also use the flocking balance of the pigment, and you'll get the depth that you're looking for. Use the leather, I go through the long way. So where are we going to um, find silicone? My, so again, this is one of those things that I think it's geographical. If you live in Phoenix or you live in Atlanta or you live in the Denver area, you've got easy access to SmoothOn, which is, it's actually Reynolds Advanced Materials is the, the only distributor for SmoothOn silicone products in the United States. They're easy. You go in there and you literally, they're super smart. You just tell them, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. And they will show you every product in the store that's capable of doing that. The guys that are living either A, are, are landlocked and need to be able to get something over the internet and have it shipped to you because you're not going to drive eight hours to get to one of these shops. Then me. we, you're in a different me. situation than I've been in. And now me too, because now I just moved eight hours away from where I was. Brick in the Yard is another good supplier. Reynolds Amazing. Advanced Materials does have an online uh, preference or it does have an online presence that you can shop from. Brick in the Yard has a website. Brick in the Yard's website is easier to navigate. Sorry, mm -hmm. Reynolds website sucks ass. It's terrible. <laughs> it's always been that way. The information's amazing. You can find anything you want. Oh, yeah. Take you eight hours to get there. Even if you just no problem. Like platinum, well, even if you go to like the Platinum Cure Silicone page, there's all the different stuff and it's just laid out there. It's really difficult to kind of figure out. Whereas I feel that- It's just overwhelming. I think it's okay to navigate. It it's just, it's overwhelming. There's just so much. Yeah, that's what I think. So you Polytech, uh, Polytech's a website that, and actually a manufacturer of the chemicals, Polytech actually sells their their primary silicones through Brick in the Yard. So basically, you're going right back to the Brick in the Yard shop. In, in Hollywood, they've got Burnham. Um, they've got, you know, Polytech for Hollywood, it seems like, at least in my opinion, they are one of the biggest brands that sells to Hollywood. I would love to talk to a Polytech guy or girl. And, you know, I love to know what else is out there, why to position it against what I use. So I'm inviting somebody to contact us. BJB is another manufacturer. Uh, I honestly don't know what BJB even stands for, because if you go to their website, it just says BJB Enterprises. Mm -hmm. uh, but just like SmoothOn creates products that are sold through Reynolds, Polytech sell, creates products that are sold through much through suppliers, Brick in the Yard, et cetera. BJB is another one of these. They also have an online presence, so you can buy directly from them. Websites there, information's out there. Go look and see if they have what you're looking for. Definitely compare prices from one to one to another and make sure it's going to fit what you're needing. So when we talk about Platinum Cure. We've mentioned Dragon Skin a lot today. Dragon Skin is a, is a specific brand from SmoothOn. 
that is designed to be skin-like. And so that varies from that 2A shore hardness that he was talking about with FX Pro, which is amazing. It's a lot of fun to work with. I use uh, Dragon Skin 10 Fast, which is a 10 shore hardness. I use that occasionally if I'm in a hurry or I need to crank out a bunch of stuff in one day. So I'll, I'll just kind of modify it a little bit. When you get to these other websites, it, just pay attention to the, the technical details and when in doubt, call them because every one of these companies will help you. They want to sell you something and they are super, super smart about the materials they sell. Oh, yeah. So tell them super exactly friendly. what you're going to do with it. Yep. And it, that's the thing is if you don't live next to one of the stores, like, you know, I'm landlocked Ohio, um, they're, they're just so darn helpful. They will try to research it. They will try to help you out. They want us, you to succeed because, you know, they want you to buy their stuff. But apart from that, they're just good, good folk. Um, yeah, I use uh, some BJB plastics. I don't use as much of their silicones. I use some Polytex silicones. I like them a lot. But my biggest one I use is Smooth-On right now. But uh, the two people I buy from mainly with me is Reynolds and Brick in the Yard. I, those are my two suppliers. I buy most everything from them. They're just great as far as silicones and materials. Yep. I am right there with you. Those are, those are, when we're talking silicone specifically, those are the two places to go online. Uh, they, and the other thing that, that both of them have in common, which kind of leads us into this next topic. When you're looking for information and you want to learn something, both smooth on and brick in the yard, maintain extremely active YouTube channels. And if you go to their websites and you figure out how to navigate to what you're looking for, there's usually a video and or pictures and or instructions on each individual site saying, Hey, look what we've done with this before. And so I the material. So they'll, they'll pick one material and they'll say, we made X, Y, Z with these materials and this is how to do it. It's an amazing resource. Both brick of the yard and smooth on have so many. I mean, I don't know. I haven't counted them, but I would say hundreds of videos, if not singly collectively, uh, together that will teach you how to use their materials. Start there, use your resources. And they're both very dedicated when they build these videos to using only products they sell, right? Then they do this to a fault, but the reality is it's super convenient. Mm -hmm. Because if I go watch a smooth on video and smooth on runs through all of these products they used for that entire project, and I want to copy paste that project, I know I can just go to the Reynolds website, add all that stuff to the cart and purchase it. Brick in the yard is the same way. You're I'm not totally going to bounce around from one spot to another and go, oh, well, I need these three things from this website and these three things from this website, which with my own projects, I do all the damn time. But mm -hmm. when we're talking about following the instructions for some of this cool stuff that they put out there, they're going to sell you what they sell. I mean, that's their job, right? And so then we can go in and say, okay, I need all of this stuff and it's on this one website, which is really, really convenient. YouTube, of course, is a big one. Smooth On and Brick in the Yard are both post all those videos from the website onto YouTube, which makes them easy to search. But if you just Google something as simple as life casting on YouTube, you will have a ridiculous amount of information that comes up. Talk about casting and molding, talk about appliances, all of that stuff. You'll, you'll get a lot of bullshit too. You're going to get a lot of shitty videos that people shouldn't be talking about mm -hmm. that, that get put up there. But you will find good information and just kind of sift through it. And, and you know, you should be able to spot what, what's decent and what's done in some guy's basement. Uh, one thing I was going to talk about is, and, and it came up while we were doing this podcast, is we're talking about pigmenting, especially skin tones. Stuart Bray, yes, I know I'm bringing up that name again because he's just got so much good information out there. Stuart has so many videos on, on sculpting and pigmenting silicones and flocking and, and how to mix things and all that. It's all free. Uh, his website's learnmakeupeffects.com, I believe. Google it. Um, but there's a lot of good videos on how to mix pigments, 
how to mix, you know, skin tones, things like that. And I mean, I'm telling you, that's where I started, how to, how to learn how to sculpt real skin tones or sculpt uh, skin textures and then pigment. It was all his videos. So many good resources there. All right. So let's talk real quick. We've, we've covered the basics and the reality is any one of these categories could probably be a whole day in itself. But when we've covered all that, let's break it down into the applications. What, what's my best choice if I want to make a mold, but I'm then going to copy and paste and basically create a bunch of objects from by pouring in there. What am I looking for? All right. So first off, if we're just talking silicone, because we can go across the lines into stone. I love stone. I love plastics. Simply talking about a silicone episode. If we want a good silicone molding compound, I like mold star 30 um, for a pour in, it's a 30 shore hardness, so it's a nice rigid silicone, um, and, and it works great for that. Uh, if you need a brush-on silicone, so like if you're doing um, like my hand mold or like a face, and I want to brush on a thin detail layer, uh, Rebound has a 25 shore hardness, and they have a 40 shore hardness. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll start with like two thin layers of, of Rebound 25, the harder uh, silicone such as a uh, rebound 40 so that's what I use for molds what do you do same uh, mold star is fantastic and like you said we could break out a little bit I have a bunch of resin stuff in the garage right now but when we're talking about the the actual molding silicone mold star is, is where it's at for making basically making a scar plate or making a bullet wound that we're then going to make a bunch of copies of and glue onto somebody anytime that you can make a rigid mold in silicone in order to cast something softer is what we're looking for. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. If I want to, if I want to mold something hard, I use something soft. If I want to mold something soft, I use something hard. Uh, and so the harder the shore hardness, the better this is going to work on this one. When we get into appliances, so when we start moving on a little bit, the thing that I'm actually going to pour in there, if I'm choosing to make them out of silicone, Skin Tight or FX Pro um, are, are basically two completely different products, but gives you that option of having something a little bit smaller. And then more recently, I've been doing a little bit of painting with psycho paints. And so mm -hmm. I've been messing around with that. I am not an artist at all. So, but that's where so I'm at. psycho paint is a uh, product that smooth on cells and it is mainly for painting with silicone. It is a platinum care silicone and it sticks like snot. It's awesome stuff. And then when we start talking about skins, and I think we've hit this a few times already, but again, low shore hardness, FX Pro, 10 fast if you're in a hurry. But really the skin thing, and this goes back, we got the pigment, we have the flocking. The biggest issue though is the texture. There's nothing realistic about a skin that is shiny and flat. So you can't just pour it in a cookie sheet and let it dry. You can, I mean, you'll have something that's skin-ish, but it won't have the texture, it won't have the appearance of skin. And if you wanna do that, wrap it in leather or spend 8,000 hours and make it out of clay and go from there and then mold it. Uh, but basically he's, he's talking to me by the way because that's what I do is my suture pads I do put my time in and it's it's a it is a process to learn how to sculpt that and I'm not awesome at it I've just gotten okay at it and then we talked earlier too about the deadeners and being able to go in and mutate the, the texture for fat layers or if you know we're talking about making something like you know I use a trachea as an example we're gonna do a surgical airway we need a trachea that we're gonna be able to cut on that's gotta be super flexible, but it still has to have enough of the rigidity to actually hold that cartilage feel. And so being able to pour that in kind of a medium shore hardness, it's gonna give it that flex if I really push on it, but it's hard enough that I know where my ridges are at. I know where the cartilage itself is and I can find the windows. 
And you were talking about skin um, silicones. I like EcoFlex too. So there's a whole bunch of the EcoFlex lines. So there's um, Dragon Skin and EcoFlex are my two that I use for that. And there's different applications. Like you were talking about Skin Tight. Skin Tight is primarily, uh, it's actually two things. It's a build on skin, skin safe build up for doing wounds and, and burns and lacerations on people. Um, but you can also use EcoFlex 0035. And it's just learning when to use one and when to use the other. And, and it really comes down to finding what works for you. You know, play with these things. Go off somebody else's experiences, but then find what works for you. And going broke in the process. Because every time oh, you want to try yeah. one of these things, it's another, you know, 30 to 40 bucks for the sample kit. You love it. It's 200 to 250 bucks for the buckets to get actually moving with it. And so it really comes down to what is your budget? And if you're paying for it out of pocket, you know, what are you willing to do? Most of these products you can find, we've already talked about brick in the yard, talked about smooth on. Occasionally you'll find the sample packets on Amazon too. Just pay attention before you buy one because it may look like a good deal. And then you go to the website and they're half the cost somewhere else. Plus you don't know how long it's been on the shelf. Yeah, I, there's certain things I will not, I mean, I am an Amazon guy through and through, makeup and silicones and materials, I will not buy on Amazon. I learned that lesson early on. Yeah, I guess at the end of the day, when we talk about all this stuff, the silicone is intimidating and I, how we might not have done anything to use those fears, but hopefully we did. <laughs> it's, it, it is intimidating to get started with. Once you get moving and you understand even just the basics of, all right, part A, part B, here's how I'm going to pigment it, I've got to work then it's less scary to branch out from one to another other than, again, the investment, right? I want to buy a 16-pound kit. That's an easy 200 bucks. And so just knowing this is what I'm going to use, I think, I think if you, you come into me and you say, hey, I've really never done this before and I need just a general all-around silicone product, I'm going to tell you something like the FX Pro. I think the Dragon Skin, anything in the Dragon Skin series is going to be good but you can use it for everything. You can deaden it when you need to deaden it. You can color it different layers. And that is the nice thing too. We didn't really talk about this with silicone. If you lay it down, wait for its pot time to set, you can go ahead and mix up your next layer in a different color, pour it over the top and be working on the third layer. You do not have to wait the full 40 minutes or three hours or whatever, depending on the product for, before you lay the next layer. Because once it sets, it's not gonna allow the, the liquids to mix together. And so get that pot time out of the way, pour your next layer on, but just know, do not peel it out of that mold until the cure time for the most recent layer has expired. You're not working off the first one or your start time, you're working off of the last one. Because it will bend and it will keep that bend or it'll distort or you'll have little like tendrils of non-cured part. Yeah, I, I've, done, I've done this all. And the other thing that you kind of touched on was the biggest thing I want you to know about uh, this podcast is anything we bring up, we want you to reach out to us and go, hey, I haven't done this. What would you use? All right. Well, I think anymore we're going to beat a dead horse. I think we stop here for now. I would like to come back at some point probably in more detail in some of these specific categories. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I mean, as a general overview, I feel like we've hit on everything. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and call it a night. Well, I will say thank you very much for hanging in with another uh, you know, deep in the weeds episode. It's a lot of information. All right. Have a good night. <laughs>